Okay, Bokertov. Um, okay, so today's stop is Nun Aleph. We pick up at the bottom of Nun Aleph Bet, very, very bottom. We're discussing the issue that there was a debate about whether you could uh, play the uh, musical instruments, the Khalil specifically, the flute, um, on Shabbos and Yantiv. Uh, debate between Reb Yosef, Reb Yehuda, and the Chachamim, and the uh, first position of Reb Yosef was that they're debating the one that was played um, with the uh, Korban, um, and could be played, uh, you know, uh, on any Shabbat, uh, the, 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 the music that goes with the normal Korban notes, um, and the debate was, how much is that the Ikara Vodah of the Levi'im, and, and central to the Vodah of the Korban, or how much is it the singing of the Levi'im, and that's the debate. But when it comes to the musical instruments that are played on the night, from, you know, on Sukkot, the night before, the Simcha Peit HaShoeva, etc., everybody agrees that that's just Simcha, and that cannot be done on Shabbat Shabbat. Again, the phrase of Zochet HaShabbat is interesting, because we're all dealing with rabbinic issues here, um, and why this is perceived of as such a problem is a little unclear, but be that as it may. So, the Gemara wants to say that, so that's Rav Yosef's approach, that this is really a debate of what's central. Is it the, um, what do you call it, is it the uh, vocal singing or is it the music um, that co- normally it comes with the pouring of the libations of a korban? And the Gemara says like this, Amar Rav Papa says, Rav Papa slaps three words on the Nun Amadbet, top of Nun Alf, Amad Alf now. Kitanai, this question is Ikar Shira Betah, or Ikar Shira Bekli, if the, sent, the, major, the basic Shira that is supposed to come from the Levi'im and accompanying the Korban is the singing, or is it the music? This is a debate of Tanayim. Tanan, that we taught in the Mishnah, should be. Avde Kohanim Hayu. Who were the people that played the music? Not did the singing, but played the music. So they were slaves of Kohanim. Hebrew Rebbe Meir, that's what Rebbe Meir says. Rebbe Yosi Omer, Mishpachat Beis HaPagrim, Mishpachat Beis Tziparaya, these are two names of two families. Ume Amma'um Hayu, and they were from a place called Amma'um. Shahayu Misi'in Likuhuna, they were not themselves Kohanim, they were Yisraelim, but they were from good Yichus, and um, their, and their uh, daughters would, um, or Rashi says, uh, their widowed wives would marry, you know, would be, uh, fr- w- would be, would be uh, marry amongst the Kohanim. The Kohanim would particularly be interested in women from these families because they were, although they were Yisraelim and Kohanim, they were of good yichus. So basically he says they were of Mishpachot Miuchasot, of Yisrael. That's his position. Rabbi Hanina ben Atikla Somer, Levi'im Hayu. No, the Levi'im were the ones who played the music instruments. Whenever we imagine we're playing the musical instruments in the Beit Hamikdash, I think we always imagine the Levi'im. But it's quite fascinating. It's only one of three opinions here. My love, the Is it not that this is their debate? The Manzam Avadim Hayu, the one that says that they were slaves, Kasavik Ikai Shira holds that it was really it, it couldn't be that the basic of uh, avodah of the levim you know that accompanied the korban was the music because then how would you let slaves do it so it must have been that it was that it really was the singing that was the kara avodah and therefore when it came to the music that you could have the slaves do it the slaves of the kohanim umanda amar levim hayu and the one that says no they were levim that no, the basic Avodah Levim was the music, and therefore it had to be Levim. So basically, meaning what the Gemara is trying to do, which is you know, fascinating, is that the Gemara is saying, you know, they're not, maybe they're not really debating the facts, maybe they're sort of like debating like, 
what it, sh- what it could have been, or what it should have been, based on <laughs> based on their understanding of what was necessary of, of, of you know about what was the real avodah. So if you think the real avodah was the music, so then they say, oh no, it had to be the Levian. If you think the real avodah was the singing, then they say, yeah, no, it probably could have been someone else. Of course, it's a little funny because it's way too specific to be talking about a legal point. It really seems like you're talking about a, a debating historical facts. So and let's see, and that's what anyway the Gemara is going to respond. The Gemara says, Tispera? Does that really make sense if they're having a, a legal debate here? If that's true, and the question, and so Rabbi Yossi, Micah, Sutherland, Rabbi Yossi says, no, it was Miyuch's families of Israel. What's his position? the basic avodah, the basic thing that Levim did was singing. So then, then he should, in principle, say it would be okay to have a vadim. If they're not debating facts, if they're debating what would be acceptable, he should have no reason to object to the avadim. And if he said it was basically the music, so Levim, so it would have to be in Yisraelim. Well, it would have to be Levites and not, Yis- and not Yisraelim. So they're obviously not debating what it could be. They're debating because they, A, it's too specific, and B, it doesn't explain the position that was the middle position. So obviously they're, disp- they're debating what it was, not what it could be. Ella says the Gemara rather, but of course realize that if they're debating what it was, even if that's true, the two positions that hold that it was not the Levi'im must, even if that's what they're, even if they're just talking about facts, what emerges from the facts that it was not Levi'im is that Ikar Shirabipet, is that, 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 that the Levite service was not the music. Okay, but, so, but it starts with the issue of the facts. And therefore, the Gemara says, we must assume, Ella, the Chuleyama Ikar Shirabipet, we must assume that everybody agrees that the eager service of the Levim was the singing. Because that then allows for this debate of facts, right? Allows for this reality that some people will claim that the facts are they were slaves, or the facts that were that they were Yisraelim. That, that could only be possible assuming that real, what the Levim primarily did was the singing. So therefore, everybody has to agree that primarily what the Levim did, their basic avodah, the basic avodah of the Korban, was the singing. And therefore, there could be a debate what was the reality in terms of who did the playing of the musical instruments. So, uh, this is the debate. You've got to love it. You know, they're just debating the facts. Nobody's debating any halacha. Everybody agrees in Syria it could have been anyone. Okay, but who Lamaisa was it? Right? So the music was not the, 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 the sole, you know, the sole um, purview of the Levine. The music could have been anyone. And Lamaisa, who was it? Some say it was this way. Some say it was that way. So they're debating the facts, which is a possibility of that range of facts, if we assume that Ikar Shira was the pet. You had a question, Dov? Yeah. Yes. Yes, that's a good question. Right. Right. Rebbe Mayer was a Talmud of Rebbe Akiva, so, you know, it was a good hundred, no more, like, you know, at least, let's say, a hundred years after, okay? How many real facts do we have a hundred, by oral history, you know, from a hundred years ago, right? My grandfather told me about World War One. Right. They didn't tell me much. Right, and I'm sure that somebody else's grandfather t- who could have told him something else, and <laughs> yeah. some of those facts might conflict with one another, <laughs> right? Yeah. So, oh, that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, uh, maybe. I, I, yeah, yeah, exactly. All the discussions about the Avodah, yeah, right. It's a problem. All right, so anyway, so now the Gemara says, like, <coughs> so they're debating facts. Okay, but now the Gemara, it's like, you know, that's, 
that's not so interesting to just who cares then it's just fact you know so then it was really like you know uh, Jews weren't historians okay so why, why do we care about facts so I mean we care about them in terms of their significance in terms of halacha in terms of memory in terms of religious meaning but like not just stam so the Gemara is going to do something with it so the Gemara says like this um uh uh, so the Gemara says, Umar Sarat, Lemaina, so what, what difference does it make? Okay, wonderful. This family, that family, who cares? So the Gemara says, Lemalin, Miduchan, Liyuchsin, or Lemasa, Kamifligi. So it says Kamifligi, but means, what it means is the, the debate would be, or what would emerge from it, this is the way Tosas reads it, what emerged from it would be a, 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 a napkinina, an implication of whether the fact that somebody has been on the Duchan, the Duchan was the platform, which would, I mean, we call the Duchan where the, Levi, where the Kohanim do the Birchus Kohanim, but the Duchan was the platform where the Levim sang and where they played the musical instruments, okay? So can you assume that if so, you saw somebody on the Duchan, excuse me, not sang, but played the musical instruments, you saw somebody on the Duchan playing the musical instruments, can you now assume, ah, oh, I, I can marry into that guy's family, or ah, oh, I can give that guy and his family meister. What assumptions can you make about somebody you saw playing the musical instruments on the Duchan? Okay, Yuchsen is in terms of marrying in, and Master is giving Master, assuming he's a lazy. Manzam Ravadimayu, the one that says the facts happen to be, I'm sorry to tell you, the facts were they were slaves. So, that's if you saw somebody doing the playing the musical instruments, you couldn't marry into a family, and you couldn't give a Master. You couldn't assume that just because he was, oh, I played the musical instruments, made the make this. No, they were slaves, you gotta know that. Uman Damar Yisrael, are you the one that says it was it was you know good Yichus families amongst of Yisrael, not Levim? Because however, if you saw somebody play a musical instrument, then you can marry into his family. Uh, he's not a slave, and he's good Yichus. Of a Lolamasis, he's not a Levi, or not certainly not necessarily a Levi, and therefore you cannot give him Maisa. And the facts were that they were Levim. If you guys saw that guy on the Duchan, you can both marry to his family and give him Maser. So it's sometimes, guess what? Important to know the facts. It's like, you know, I spent a whole year teaching Yerodeya in the Yeshiva Kashras. I can tell you any Shach and the Taz and the Pisgah Kuba and Rev Moshe. Then somebody says, So, Rabbi Windsor, can I buy so and so without a hashtag? What's the story with this hashtag? Facts? <laughs> you gotta ask somebody else. So, okay, but guess what? It matters to know the facts. Because like half of all of us, knowing the facts. So, okay. So, so, you know what? It matters to know. Who are the, who are the people playing there? Can I marry into that family? How good is the heksher on the people that are playing? So that's where it matters. But... It's not a debate of what the halacha is. The halacha is that anybody could play a musical instrument because the ikar shira was the pen, not the kli. Okay? So that's what the Gemara, that's what, that's what the Gemara uh, says, emerges from this debate. And by the way, that's how the Rambam rules as well. The Rambam rules, ikar shira is the pen, and that the uh, non-Levi'im could play the musical instrument. Okay, so now the Gemara continues. It sounds like this. Okay. Um... So the Gemara says like this: Rabbi Yirmiya Bar Abba Amar. So that was the, an, an attempt to say that the debate about can you play the musical instruments on Shabbat was about playing them with the korban, whether the ikar shiro was bepel bekli. But the Gemara anyway sort of said, looks like you know what emerges from this. It looks like everybody should should admit that ikar shiro was bepel. Yeah. So yeah. We had an answer to this in, in the nusach of our uh, of our kibbutz, right? Hayom Yochum. Um, oh, you said it was Levi'im Omrim. 
Yeah, you know, it's interesting. It seems like nobody debates that the Levi'im were the ones that did the shira. That's quite fascinating. You're right. And the debate is whether they were the ones that did the music instrument. So that's true. Even though, but the Gemara still thinks it's possible that Ikar Shira is the Kli, even though they let the shira still be the, like, you know, purview, like, only the Levi'im. It's true. I mean, you know, it's like, just because if A, then B, doesn't mean if B, then A. Just, you know, so, just because it was the Levi'im does not mean that that was the Ikar. But it is interesting that the only debate of where there are other people that did it was by the music, not by the singing. Okay, so the Gemara says like this. Uh, so, that debate of can you play the musical instruments um, on, um, on, on Shabbat, that was a debate about the music that accompanied, or the chaleo, that accompanied the Simchat Beit HaShoeva. Um, uh, I know it's not directly part of the Korban. It's just about the having the jet of the, you know, extra simcha, etc. But nevertheless, simcha and the base hamiktash, that also can be done on Shabbat. Again, docheta Shabbat is a strange term because at the end of the day it's just a rabbinic problem. Okay, but okay, yes, even though simcha says a shoei, but it's in the base hamiktash, that can be done on Shabbat. Okay, Rabbanon Savri ain't Simchai Yitera ain't no Dochet HaShabbat. No, just for this idea of having extra joy with the Simchus Pesha Shoeva, that does not allow you to play musical instruments on Shabbat. That's the debate. Aval Bashir Korban, when it comes to doing the, the, uh, the song, the singing that accompanies the Korban, Divya Kol Avodahi V'Dochet HaShabbat. Everybody would agree that that is an Avodah and it overrides Shabbat. Um, and therefore everybody would agree that you could play musical instruments with the korbanot when they are brought on, on Shabbat. Now here, the astute person will say, one minute. Didn't we just seem to conclude a second ago that Ikar Shira was what? Bepeh. Right? And the musical instruments could even be done by the Avadim, etc., etc. And here we're saying, oh, but by the way, when it comes to the question of doing it on Shabbat, Right? Everybody says that the playing the musical instruments is an avodan can be done on Shabbat. So I thought you said that, uh, I mean, if it's done by the avadim, it's not really uh, an avodah. Oh, anyway, it's done by the avadim, it's not really an avodah, you know, and what does that mean? That everybody says that the playing of the musical <coughs> instruments can be done on Shabbat. So there are, I would say, three answers to this. And uh, the best, I think the best answer is, is implicit in the Rambam. Um, one answer is, it doesn't really mean it's an avodah. It, but it means that, let's face it, you're not dealing a real Shabbat violation here. Like I said, mm-hmm. you know, it's a rabbinic issue of playing a music instrument on Shabbat. What's the big deal anyway? Mm-hmm. So what it just means is, okay, you know, even though it's there to accompany the singing, and the singing is the ikar, as we said, it's not the music, it's the ikar, but it's enough part of the avodah of the Korbanot. You know, it's, a, it's not a big enough deal. It's really not such a Shabbat problem anyway, so fine, it can be done. Okay, so that's one explanation. That it doesn't really mean avodahi, it just means, well, look, it's not really such a big deal here anyway, and we're going to let it, when it comes with the Korban, we'll let it override Shabbat. A second answer, which is maybe a variation of the first, is, you know, can you sort of call it a, like, part of the avodah without saying that the ikar shira, you know, like, maybe this is really just a variation of the first, but it's really saying, like, when it's being done, you know, are you yotze without the musical instrument? Yes. Do the musical instruments need to be levim? No. But 
when they are done, they are incorporated into the Avodah. As opposed to like the music you play, the Simchat Beit HaShoevah, that's all like preliminary, or that's all like some non-Avodah Simcha that's in the Beis HaMikdash that maybe is about eventually doing an Avodah, but here it's at the time of the Korban, and it, you know, it accompanies the singing of the Vim, so it becomes incorporated into the Avodah. Okay, so that's another explanation, but the point is, you can be, allow it to be done on Shabbat, even if it's not really an Avodah, because at the end of the day, anyway, we're only dealing with a rabbinic problem. Rambam says something much more interesting. The Rambam says that although the playing of the musical instrument is not an Avodah, um, and can be done by non-Leviim, he says, when it comes to uh, Yamin Tovim, and Rosh Chodesh, he says, I, I mentioned this yesterday, there there's a mitzvah min HaTorah to not only to play music that accompanies singing, but there's a mitzvah Torah to blow the chatzot's throat. And that, he says, can only be done by the kohanim, okay, which is fascinating, because we tend to forget about the chatzot's throat that are in the Torah. Then right after saying that there's this biblical mitzvah to do the chatzot's throat with korbanot on Yom Tov and Rosh Chodesh, he says, and on... All, this is now basing himself on, a mish, on another Mishnah elsewhere. He says, and on basically all the Yom Tovim, there was a special playing of the Chalil. Remember the name of Apek? Chalil. Apparently a musical instrument that was not played with the singing of the Levi'im during, you know, the, the normal days. But on Yom Tov, they would actually play the Chalil to be part to accompany the Levi'im. And he says, and that is Avodahi, and that can only be played by Levi'im. So according to the Rambam, there actually are two levels. There's the general music that accompanies the singing that comes on a daily basis, and that's not an avodah. That's basically about the singing, and anybody could play that. But for Yantiv, there was a special use of a special instrument that was like signified somehow that it was special because it was Yantiv. It's interesting to think about that. It's Yantiv, we're going to add some special, you know, uh, people to the orchestra. We're going to have an expanded orchestra because it's Yantiv. Not all. And it seems to be modeled after the idea of Chatzot's Rot. So the same way on Yantiv there's this Chatzot's Rot that are by the Kohanim, again, not accompanying the singing, just making some blasts. But on Yantiv also we have an expanded orchestra and that extra playing which is, I think, sort of modeled or inferred from the idea of the Chatzot's Rot, this extra instrument, that actually is unique to the Levi'im, and that is an Avodah. So it's quite interesting how the Rambam says this. On the one hand, we said, Ikashira was the Peh, and then a sentence later, we said, oh, by the way, the Khalil that was played, you know, uh, you know, the Khalil that was played, that, that, that was Ikar Avodah, and therefore it was still Chet HaShabbat. So every day of the week, yes. Yeah. There was some ragamuffin orchestra playing. Yeah. Right? And on Shabbos and Yantav, there was Chatzot. Chatzot was also every day? No, Chatzot was only, only not Shabbos. Yantav and Rosh Chodesh. Just to add to the Simcha. Yeah, well, I don't know why, but because it's in the Torah. We can have another discussion about those looking in the Torah. Okay, but it was not part of the singing. Right? They would just do independent chatzot's rows. And then what you would also do on Yantiv, but not Rosh Chodesh, so even a further subset, was that you would add Khalilim to the orchestra. The place was so... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So anyway, but that is, I think, very interesting because, again, the name of the parish is Hachalio. And again, in elsewhere, in, in, you know, we find that a particular emphasis of the, um, you know, in another second of the unique times when they would use the Khalil to accompany the singing of the Korbanot and the Ramam actually makes something special about that it wasn't just Stam, but they had some music instruments but it actually was 
specifically a levim avodah, even though the normal musical instruments were not. And that's how the Rabbam reads this idea here. So when non-Orthodox synagogues play wind instruments on Shabbos, yes. the issue is more what it symbolizes in terms of the rejection of rabbinic authority? Uh, I'm not going to get into that. Well, it terms is that it wasn't the base of Mikdash. I mean, here we're talking <laughs> about within the base of Mikdash. By the way, though, I would say that that reading of the Rambam might lead to the conclusion that on Yantav, they did, you know, I said they added uh, instruments to the orchestra, but it might actually lead to the conclusion that they didn't have any of the other or- instruments of the orchestra. They just had the Khalil. Because if you read it that way, meaning the first way I read it was, okay, well, it's not such a big Shabbos problem anyway, so even if Yikashir is the pair, you can still play the musical instruments on Shabbat when it comes with the Korban. Okay, but this way of reading it is no. The normal instruments were not allowed. Yikashir is the pair. The one thing that they did was just the Chaliyot. So that's, we would be, uh, that's like a different image, but that could emerge from the Rambam's approach. Okay, that wasn't for Shabbos and Yontif. All right, so now we move on. So the Gemara says like this, okay? Um, okay, Meitzvah says Gemara, Shir Shoshoevah Dochet HaShabbat, Hebrew Rebbe Yosef Rebbe Yehuda. So the song of the Shoevah, the, uh, the whatever, uh, overrides Shabbat, that's what Rebbe Yosef Rebbe Yehuda says, the Chamimamim Av Yom Tovene Doche, it doesn't even override Yontif. So you see very clearly that the debate of Rebbe Yosef Rebbe Yehuda and the Chachamim was about the uh, music of the Simchat Beit HaShoevah, not about the music that accompanied Korban. So, so the Gemara says, Tiyufta the Rav Yosef Tiyufta. That's a complete contradiction of Rav Yosef. It shows that, who said that the debate was only about the normal, it uh, was about the instruments of Shabbat, uh, of, of the normal korban, kor, that came with the Korban. Here you see it's about the instruments of the Simchat Beit HaShoeva. So the Gemara says, Lema b'shir shoevai hu depligi avo b'shir shoe korban divya kol dochet ha-shabbat. So it sounds like, says the Gemara, to, that A, they debate whether you can do musical instruments on the, during the Simchat Beitor Shoeva. And it would sound also, perhaps you could infer as well, that when it came to the normal uh, music that accompanied korbanot, everybody would agree that that could be done on Shabbat. Right? It sounds like they're only debating whether you could do it for the Simchat Beitor Shoeva. So they must have a chief to Rav Yosef Petarti. So maybe it contradicts both aspects of Rav Yosef. Meaning Rav Yosef said they are debating the music with Korbanot and everybody agrees with Shoevah off limits. Here, here it says they're debating Shoevah. But it sounds, so that A shows that not everybody agrees Shoevah is a problem. But it also seems to imply that everybody agrees Korbanot is okay. Which contradicts his other statement that he says they debate Korbanot. So the Gemara says, no. Amalekha Rav Yosef, Rav Yosef would say to you, no, they debate both issues. Can you play, can you do it with the Shoeva and can you do it with the Korbanot? Again, on Shabbat. So why are they focusing on the Simchat Shoeva? To show you the strength of Rabbi Yosef position. Not only does he allow you to play on Shabbat with the Korban, he allows you to play on Shabbat even for the Simchat Beit Shoeva. But maybe it's not a complete contradiction for Yosef. Maybe they debate both issues. The Gemara says, no, it doesn't sound like that. It sounds like they only debate Shoeva. How do you know that? Because of the following. The Gemara says, the Hakatani, our Mishnah says, Zehu, Chalil Shabbat Shoeva, this issue that we're talking about, that the music can't be on Shabbat and on Yantav, that is the flute of the Simchat Beit Shoeva. That doesn't override Shabbos and Yantav. So the Gemara says, what's the implication of that line, Zehu? This is the one that doesn't override Shabbos and Yantav. So Zehu to Enodocha. This flute doesn't override Shabbos and Yantav. Abel de Korban, this 
strong implication of the Mishnah is there's another flute, the one that comes with the Korbanot, that's Dochet, that does override Shabbos and Yantif. So Mani, who would be, who is the author of this Mishnah that says, yes, it overrides, no, it doesn't override on Simchus Shoiva, yes, it overrides by Korban. Um, Mani, um, if it's Yehuda, he says that you can play the music instruments even on Shabbos for Simchus Beis Shoeva. It must be the rabbis who we know say you can't play it for Simchus Beis Shoeva. And you see that the rabbis who say you can't play it in Simchus Beis Shoeva, and that's what they say in our Mishnah, said this is the one you don't play on Shabbat, which means that the Korban one you do play on Shabbat. So the Gemara says. So Elalav Rabbanan the Tiyufta the Rav Yosef Petarti Tiyufta. It's a double contradiction of Rav Yosef. Number one, you see that Rav Yosef Rav Yudah says you can play it on Shabbat for Simchas, even for Simchas Beis Hashoivah. And number two, you see that everybody agrees that you can that when it comes to the Korban, you can play, everyone agrees you can play it on Shabbat. So now the Gemara says, my time is demand the Amar Iker Shirabikli. Now to get back to that debate, what's the reason of the one that says the basic Shira is the music? Because the verse says. Chizkiyah said to bring the burnt offering on the altar and when the Ola was beginning to be burnt the song of God began we, the, the song actually comes at the pouring of the wine which came when the Korban was being offered not in this Pasuk the song of God and the trumpets with the instruments of David king of Israel Interesting, associating them with King David. Right? So therefore you see that it said that the sound began and then it mentioned the music. So you see the word song here, right? What does sheer mean in the Torah? The so sheer has a lot of meanings. Could mean poetry, could mean song, could mean music. So it says here, you see it's using the word sheer with a korban and it says the sheer began and they began playing the music instruments. So sheer means the music. That's what sheer is. It's the music. Okay. My time is the Amar What's the reason if you say it's basically the song? So the verse says, It was as one those playing on the trumpets and those giving forth the song to make one sound. So Mishorim, so we would read it like the accompaniment of the Chatzot's throat with the song. But again, what the Gemara here is saying is, it's interesting, but to some degree it's also saying that it's a, it, it's a question of terminology. Meaning not just like, okay, the way you can frame it is, what was central? Was it the song or the music? Here's almost saying like, what does the word sheer mean? Is the basic use of the word sheer in the context of Korban, does that mean singing or does that mean music? So the first verse indicated that the word sheer meant music. This verse said that, I'm sorry, that the word, yeah, it meant music. This, word, this verse is saying, that, uh, is understanding that the word, that, that it, the combination of the mechatzotrim and the mishorurim somehow understands that it means that the mechatzotrim are accompanying the singing and the word sheer means song. Um, so Rashi says, now why, Rashi sort of says, why is it? I mean, why can't we say, you know, it means that the music combined with the Chatzot's throat. So Rashi again makes the point that I mentioned before with the Rambam. Trumpets are not musical instruments that, like, that, you know, that sort of blend in with other musical instruments. Okay? Trumpets come by themselves. Okay, so that was the whole point I made before about the Rambam. So when it says Lemachatzitrim Ummashorim, it means those were two that they weren't like a blending of musical instruments. It was trumpets and Meshorim, so it's understanding that that's independence and that Shira means singing. 
Okay? But I don't know. Not so explicit. But that's how the Gemara is getting it. So that shows you Ikashir of the path. The Idach Nami Haksi What about the verse that said, that mentioned the music together with Shir, that and sounded like that Shir was the music? So the Gemara says, um, the singing began verbally with the accompaniment of yes there was a focus there there was a talk there about the instruments but it meant the instruments were accompanying the singing not that the shear was the instrument somehow the word very much suggests to the Gemara the idea of singing not the idea of music and now it finally takes a step back. You know what? Maybe not. Maybe the word Mishorim is just like the word Mechatsitrim, people playing the trumpets. Maybe it means that the same way the word Mechatsitrim means trumpet players, Mishorim doesn't mean singers. Maybe Mishorim means players of musical instruments. Okay, so the Gemara ends with a question. But again, I want to point out what's fascinating, which is, Back and forth we say is Ikashir Bekle Ikashir The conclusion seems to be Ikashir is Bepeh. But again we sort of said, but you can play, we also concluded very strongly that it seems very clear that you can play musical instruments with the Korbanot on Shabbat. And at the same time Ikashir is Bepeh. So again, how does that balance out? And I just remind you of the three points I said. One is, okay, it's not such a problem playing musical instruments anyway. It's only Durabon. I mean, not, it's not problem. In the base of Mishnah, it's not such a problem. It's Durabon. And so, okay, it doesn't have to be such an avoda. Or the other is, like, okay, when it's done, it's incorporated, as we said. It, it accompanies the song. and It becomes like the avoda and so on. And that gives it enough weight. So maybe there's two variations of, this, of, of a similar idea. And the third is the fascinating idea of the Rambam, that there was a separate status to the musical instruments that they played on Shabbos and Yantin. That the normal music was not, uh, was not an avodah. But, uh, excuse me, not Shabbos, on Yantin. But the music on Yantin, that was played with the Khalil, that was an avodah, that was only the Vim, and that had a special status, and that was what was docheh, um, and allowed to be played. Yeah. I, I want to ask you about the language made to show if it was in separate structure. No. Uh, the same... <coughs> No, we're going to get to the description right now, but no. I mean, it's a good point. Why does it say Simchat Beit HaShoeva? Not, if you have the gears of Simchat Beit HaShuva, like the Gemara says, so that's different. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know why the word bias there. It's a good question. Yeah, I mean, it's obvious because it connects to the Beit HaMikdat, but there's no physical structure. Let's take a look now as we get to actually discussing the Simchat Beit HaShoeva. Okay? So, if you've never seen the Simchat Beit HaShoeva, you've never really seen a good Jewish, a good Jewish, <laughs> Jewish Simchat. Okay? okay, what a real party is. The Motzei Yom Tov Arishon Shachag. Now again, we just got through saying that they would not do it um, the night uh, on Yom Tov and Shabbos. So, I mean, on the one hand, it should be noted that we've been talking about would they play the musical instruments. But the other thing that you couldn't do on Shabbos, of course, uh, w- uh, was you couldn't carry the water. You had to go out from before. But in theory, you could have done a Simchas Beis Shoeva the first night of Yantiv because you can carry on Yantiv <coughs> and you can go ahead and you can party throughout the night without the musical instruments. Okay, but this Mishnah seems to suggest that when you say you didn't play the musical instruments 
but the Simcha Beit Sheva, it also meant basically he didn't have the party. Right? That's never said explicitly, but that's interesting. Would he have a party at all the first night of Yadza? This mission makes it pretty clear. The answer is no. They would start the partying, you know, only Mozart Yadza, and that's when you could bring in the musical instruments. Okay, so that just shows you that if there's no music, no party. So anyway, the Gemara says like this. Nisha, okay. So the Yantav Shachan. So the first night following Yantav, Yardu Lezrat Nashim. So they would go down into the women's section. Umetakin Misham Tikun Gadol, and they fix it up real nice. Okay, we'll see in the Gemara what that means. Fix it up real nice. Minorot Shel Zahav Hayusham, and they would because the women's section basically served, or the women's uh, azara courtyard basically served as a type of a social hall. Okay, and um, that's where sort of everybody gathered before going into the actual azara and uh, the bringing of the korban. So that's what they use. They use your social <coughs> hall for the party. Okay, so Minorot Shel Zahav Hayusham. There were golden candelabra menorahs, candelabras. I mean, not technically, like, obviously not, you know, like the menorah in the base of Mikdash itself, maybe evocative of it, but anyway. But whatever they were, they were huge candelabras. The Arba'as Falim Shazahabra Shehem, and they had four big funnels of gold at their at their heads, which might mean that there were only a four-branched menorah. Maybe it means the funnels, I don't know, fed the other, all of the branches. Um, the and each funnel had four ladders leading up to it. You can obviously realize that this is a little bit stylized and not exactly literal. Okay, anyway, the Arba Yeladim, what? They translated as bowls. Bowls. Okay, well, I guess it's a difference about whether you're seeing the funnels feeding into a receptacle or whether they actually are the receptacle. Yeah, so bowls might be a better translation. Yeah. Okay. It's like, it's like street lamps. Okay. Right. Right. Oh, okay. So bowls might be better because it seems like this means it is the receptacle, and it was maybe like a four-branched candelabra. Um, four ladders leading up to each one of the bowls. And four of the young, either children or young men of the Kohanim, um, you know, went up maybe each ladder or four, one per ladder. And each one had a picture of 120 log. Now, let's think how big that is. Um, a log is about 12 ounces, 14 ounces. Um, so 120 of that is 400 to 80, about 1,700 ounces. Okay, I don't know what does that translate into in terms of gallon? How many ounces in a gallon? 64 ounces in a gallon? 128 ounces in a gallon? 128. And how much did I just say this would be? 1,700. So we're like 15 gallons. Do you think? Do you think a kid, even a young man? In the normal 14, 15 gallons? How many gallons? One of those jugs from, like, uh, you know, the water. Did you get the mineral water? Jugs. Think about a gallon of milk. Think about trying how to get 15 of those. How many ounces of 14. Okay, 16.80. Divided by what? Uh, what do we say? 128? 128 ounces to a gallon? 13. 13 gallons. 13 gallons. Okay. All right. I don't think this is literal. All right. <laughs> okay. 120 low. That went into, maybe it meant multiple pictures, multiple trips, you know, anyway, and that they ultimately, each bowl contained, um, contained, you know, 17, or whatever it said, 15, 14 gallons. 
from the torn uh, strips of the used out uh, you know um, uh, uh, underwear and uh, um, belts of the Kohanim um, I'm sorry from the worn out clothing of the Kohanim from them they would make strips and they would use those as uh, as wicks and from the, they would use those to light the, uh, the, the to light in the bowls there was no courtyard in all of Jerusalem that was not lit up from the light coming from the from this rejoicing of the Beit HaShoeva uh, and uh, righteous people and people of deeds would be dancing in front of them interesting who the them are in front of everybody I guess the with torches of light or torches of fire Okay, and would say, would, as they're juggling these torches, would be singing, you know, singing praises and songs. Rashi, nice little description in Rashi of trying to describe what juggling is. If you look at Rashi, Rashi says, you'd throw them up into the air, and you'd receive it. Anyway, were playing all these different types of musical instruments, cymbals and flutes and you know trumpets. On the fifteen steps that went down from the Ezrat Yisrael to the Ezrat Nashim. Corresponding to the 15 songs of ascent in Tehillim, there were 15 steps of ascent going from Ezrat Nashim to Ezrat Yisrael. And those the Levi'im would, would be, um, um, stand and with their musical instruments and do their singing. Now, of course, the question is, we just got to be talking about the, Levi'im, the singing of the Levi'im and the playing of the musical instruments that would accompany the Korbanot. But this wasn't, if you think about the way things look,
Okay? All right. So, um, okay. Now, uh, okay. So now two Konim stood at the top of the steps, you know, at this gate that basically would go, you know, would lead out of Ezra Israel, and then you'd go down the steps to go to Ezra Nashim, as I just demonstrated. The Sheikh Hasut wrote, and they would have two trumpets in their, in their hands. Karah um, Gever, then the cock crowed, so it was beginning to be daybreak, wasn't sunrise yet. Tiku Tiku, they did Tkia Truitkia. We've already mentioned Tkia Truitkia before, that would accompany the pouring of the wine, of the, of the water. We mentioned Tkia Truitkia, that would accompany the uh, waving of the, uh, uh, um, you know, the, uh, the whole Arava ritual. So here you had a Tkia Truitkia, but this was more for the Simcha that preceded, and they would do that when they're starting to ready, because what they're about to do, you understand, is they party throughout the night, and then at daybreak, they did a whole big procession to draw the water. So that was the Shoeva. They actually did the drawing of the water. It culminated in the drawing of the water and bring the water into the Mikdash and doing the pouring. So when they, to begin the procession, to transition from the party to begin the procession, they did the Tkia Tchuetki at the top of the steps. Okay? They got to the tenth step going down. What does it mean? Which way do you, are you counting ten? Anyway, they did another squirt through a tkia. Then they got to the actual courtyard itself, the Ezrat Nashim. They did tkia through a tkia. Okay, people take out that next line. It isn't in the Mishnah, and anyway, because it's redundant, because they're already at the Azara, so we'll just skip the next line. And they kept on doing tkia through until they came to the gate leading out of Ezrat Nashim and Hayotseni Mizrach, okay? So they led to the easternmost gate. Um, and then you're going from here, right here you are, you're on Temple Mount, right? So you're going to go here, you're going to go down Temple Mount and you're going to go out. Okay? Um, so, to the Shiloh. To the Shiloh. Okay? Um, now, when they got to the east gate out of Ezrat Nashim, they turned their face back facing, facing west, um, the Amru, and they said, looking at the Beit Hamikdash, Avotenu Shayu b'Makom Hazeh, our forefathers that were in this place, meaning in the Bayit Rishon, who Achorehem. Uh, this is actually a description that we find in the Tanakh about what was done in the Bayit Rishon, um, but when they were Ovdei Avodzara, Achorehem al Heichal, they were they would have their backs facing the Heichal, Upnehem Kedma, and their front to the east, and we Shachlin Kedma Lashemesh. And they would bow down east to the sun. They would be rejecting the temple and uh, worshiping the sun. The um, Anu, but we, Liyah, we are to God. The Anu Liyah Eneinu, to God is our eyes. And they would repeat it and say, Anu Liyah, we are to God. Liyah Eneinu, and our eyes are to God. Now that's all quite fascinating, right? Because it's like... Uh, why evoke specifically that at this moment? I mean, it's one thing to say you don't walk out of the base on Mikdash with your back to the base of Mikdash. You turn around and you walk backwards. Why to evoke, you know, the contrast of Osainu and the way we are? Also, if you remember also, like when it did the whole thing about the uh, Hoshana Rabbah, Yofi Lechamis Beach, Yofi Lechamis Beach, all of this, like, personification, you know, and sort of talking, you know, it's making these declarations. Uh, I, I, I don't know the answer. I'm just saying it's quite fascinating. Like, you normally don't find that, right? In the middle of the Avod, I'm making a point. I'd like to make a point here, you know, <laughs> or whatever it is. It's quite fascinating. Yes? That's really There's a thread of that. Like, the, the thread that comes from the Tefillin for the Egg, that's from the Egg, you know, and the Egg of the Mule, 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not talking about. I know, but I'm talking about making a declaration. You know, yeah. or, or like when they said it said at the end of like you know by the Hoshana Rabbah, Yofi Lachamis Beach, Yofi Lachamis Beach, right? Lachalu. Yeah. What what's that about? Yeah. I don't know. Is it what? It's interesting. Yeah, that's true. Bringing like a narrative into this story to say we have a narrative into the Haggadah. Yeah, yeah. Well, right. I mean, here they're sort of speaking to no one. They're saying Avosteinu Hayu Liyami Beach, whatever. That was more speaking to the altar. Tanur Rabbanan Misha Lo Ragma Misha Lo Ratzim Chosteis Rei Shoeva Lo Ratzim Chomiyama Misha Lo Rayu Shalayim B'Tifarta. So now that we're talking about how amazing the Simchat Shesha Shreve is, let's talk about other things that were, oh, <coughs> if they only have seen it, it was so amazing. If you had not seen Jerusalem in its glory, you've never seen an amazing city. You might think, you know, Rome or whatever, Paris, yeah, you don't know anything, you know. Uh, true, true glory was what Yerushalayim used to be like. If you never saw the Beis HaMikdash when it was really built, you never saw anything. Taj Mahal. That's all, you know, secular beauty. Hey, you haven't really seen real beauty unless you've seen the Beis HaMikdash. What? Okay, fine. Not Jewish religious. Okay, anyway. Uh, all right. My, okay, my heat. So, uh, so now, but it's quite fascinating. I mean, I was sort of trying to give a nice religious spin on this, but the is actually going to try to explain in very physical and aesthetic ways what was so beautiful about the base of Mixas. Ayi, what's this amazing thing about it? So I'm going to buy the Tamer Reb Chizda, or which one, first of all, are we talking about, first or second? Zebinin Hordis. It was the second one, and when this Hordis actually, like, you know, improved the second one. The my banye, with what did he build it? I'm a rabba, the Avni Sheisha, Umirma, with with uh, marble and Mirma, which actually says is like a black, uh, 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 excuse me, a white marble. Ika da Avni, some say the Avni Sheisha Kuchla, with blue marble, Umirma, and white marble. Apik Safa, the Ayel Safa, like one edge would go in and one edge would go out. Like it would be sort of, you know, you know, protruding in and out. Um, like, you know, they do that sometimes, like on like facades, right, you know, it alternates or whatever, oh and out. Um, sida, and that way it could be, except the plaster, I guess, you know, because if it's, uh, you know, that's what, how you do, right? Like certainly when you do it on the horizontal plane, like when you lay bricks, right, you don't lay them one on top of another, right? You, uh, what's it called, you alternate or whatever. Anyway, okay. Then he thought that he was going to be pla- like a, coated with gold. Amalei Rabbanan, the rabbi said to him, right, getting the rabbis right up there with, Hor- like right in there in conversation with Horgis, okay, Shavke, no, you know what, leave it the way it is. The Hakim Shavke, say, it's better this way. It looks like waves of the sea. You know, you got blue and white and jutting in and out, and it looks very beautiful, it looks very peaceful, it looks like waves of the sea. That may be the only time you ever listen to rabbis. Yeah. Time we Yoplosin, if you never saw the Yoplosin, which is clearly some Greek word, does, uh, do you, does, does it tell you that what that word means? Uh, from the Greek word meaning double and colonnade. That's what Rashi says. So he's uh, okay. So Rashi says so it's some double colonnade, some huge um, um, like a coliseum that had with a double colonnade. But actually, we're going to find out it was basically a show, a huge coliseum that was used as a synagogue in Alexandria in Egypt. Lo Yisrael. You haven't seen now. This is an interesting shift. Not you haven't seen a gorgeous shoal, but you haven't seen the glory of the Jewish people because of how of what that was like to be in that shoal. Okay, what does that mean? Amru 
to mean basiliki gdola haita, it was like a huge um, basilica, a huge like a castle. Stav lifnimi stav, a double stoa. Pa'amin shayu ba, and there were times, or there, there, there were more. Now, our gift is shishim riba, shishim riba. 60,000 times 60, 600,000 times 600,000, which is, I don't even know how much, 36 billion or something. <laughs> uh, the, uh, the actual girsa is, shishi, uh, it is like either shishim ribo or, or, or double or kiflayim or either 1.2 million or 600,000, not 600,000 times 600,000. Kiflayim kiyote nitzrayim, double those that left Egypt. There were 1.2 million Jews there. Charlie will probably tell us that there weren't 1.2 million people in the world at that time. No, there were. There were, maybe, at most. The Roman Empire population estimate about 50 million. 50 million? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Okay, there was nowhere there was 1.2 million Jews, I'll tell you that. The Hayyuba Ayyamal's Cathedra Ochel Zahab, and there were 71 cathedras of gold, meaning golden seats. Can I get Ayyan Alice Cathedra Ochel Zahab? Ayyan Alice Cathedra Ochel Zahab. Corresponding to the 71 uh, members of the Sanhedrin. Now again, the word ribo is a later edition. There should be no seat with less than 21 kitareza talents of, of gold. But if that wasn't enough of an exaggeration, it's not just 21 talents of gold, it was 21 times 10,000, 210,000 talents of gold. So, anyway, you know, you've got to keep your exaggerations in the realm of realistic. So, it's like that story that these uh, Hasidim are debating how great their Rebbe is. So one says, you know, my Rebbe is so great that he can stand on a bench and see from one end of the world to the next. Another guy says, why does he have to stand on the bench? <laughs> he says, he wants to do his nice b'terech teva. <laughs> so anyway, we have to, so, you know, we, let's keep our exaggerations within some reasonable limits here. Okay? 1.2 million, not 1.2 billion. 21,000, 21, not 20, not 210,000. Anyway, 21 talents of gold. And there was a, uh, a wooden, um, you know, bima in the, in the middle of the synagogue, in the middle of the psycholiseum. The Chazan HaKnezet Omeid Aleha, and the Chazan here, which is not the, uh, it's not the Shri HaSibor, it's the, the sexton, the Gabai, would stand on this platform, that's, meaning the point of this platform is not necessarily where the davening took place. It just made him very high, very visible. He would stand on a high platform in the middle. And he had like a flag in his hands, like the, the guys that signal the planes. The Kimenshi Amen, when it was the time to say Amen, nobody could hear, right? I mean, a huge, whatever, yeah, you know, how could he hear everything that was said? So, Halamenispa Sudar, so this guy would do the waving, you know, maybe uh, different wavings for different parts of the davening. They call Amoni Mami, and then everybody could say Amen, because he couldn't hear anything, but at least you would be able, you would know when to say Amen. I just said Amen to a an interesting question. Can you infer from here that you, if you said Amen at the end of a bracha, even if you didn't hear it, that you'd be Yotze? It sounds like that, but there's a, a Gemara that say you're not Yotze unless you hear it. So it says, okay, nobody really had to be Yotze. We wanted to say an Amen because that was the way they participated in the davening by saying Amen, you know, but it didn't necessarily mean you were Yotze, but it's an interesting halacha question. In this is in the base of, no, in Alexandria, in Egypt. That's right, this huge synagogue, okay, right, and they're doing this waving or whatever. Okay. The Lo'ayu Yoshvin Muravim, and it's not like they would be mixed seating. Now it's like, oh, is this going to be a source for separate seating? No, the source for Mechitza is going to be tomorrow. Okay, but here, Muravim means something else. They wouldn't have mixed seating. Gold goldsmiths in one area, 
silversmiths in another area, and uh, ironsmiths in a different area, and coppersmiths in another area, and weavers in, in, in their section, and like, uh, you know what, we talk about like how you, know, you shouldn't be schmoozing in Shul or whatever, you know, actually it's quite fascinating because they've done lots of studies on ancient synagogues, and there was major function of the synagogue was a social gathering place, you know. So actually, so it says actually it's a good way to, uh, you know, it's like to do business. Is you know that's where you all, you know find the people you need to be talking to. So here it was very helpful because they you would know which section to go to. So here you would be, you know, you need somebody to hire you on to be an assistant for a silversmith. So you go to the silversmith section. And you go there, and look at the mendes chesed that came out of it. You know, doing business is a mitzvah. You know, there's a famous Rabbein Tam. He says, you know, he says, finding parnasa for a Jew is tzarche mitzvah. You know, things like, are you allowed to do it as a tzarche mitzvah, not a tzarche mitzvah? So, you know, have a very positive spin. You know, I'm sure we all know, right, the joke, right, about the guy that he needs to go in to talk to his business partner. It's Yom Kippur, you know, and he, you, know, you know the joke, right? He needs to go in, but he doesn't have, a, you know, he's, he's not Jewish or whatever. He doesn't have a ticket. So the uh, guard at the door won't let him in. He doesn't have a ticket. He doesn't have a seat. So he says, please, please, please. It's like an emergency. I just talk for two seconds. Please, I'm going to say, it's fine. You can go in. But remember, no praying. So that is actually a good Talmudic source for the 20th century Jewish center idea. Exactly. But it actually was an actual, this idea of the synagogue as Jewish center mm-hmm. is ancient. It's like one of the mm-hmm. primary functions, actually the whole question, is it called Beit Knesset, mm-hmm. right? Or is it, uh, what was the other term used for it? There was, but you know, Beit Knesset means a gathering yeah. place. You know. Anyway, okay. So anyway, it says... Right, exactly. Amar Gilles, Amar Abai said, "Abai, let's just finish this up." The Kulu Katlinu Alexander Smokedown, and they were all wiped out by. Now, Alexander is Alexander Smokedown was Alexander of Macedonia, which who did not wipe out the Jews, and off by three hundred years. So others. So if you take a look, there's side notes where others cross out the word Mokdon, then they say that it's an Alexander who was a uh, who was one of one of the Caesars uh, or, or a Roman or you know basically they attributed to one of either a Roman general or a Roman Caesar. But yeah, clearly, um, it was not. Seinfeld says it was probably Trajan. Trajan, right? There was another. Uh, the, the, the Grosgirs is Trajan. Okay. Severus. Okay. Oh, that's interesting. Okay, my time in Yanshu. Now, why were they punished if it was such an amazing Jewish community? Mm-hmm. So now it's quite fascinating because we know that these community in Alexandria was pretty Hellenized and was not very firm and observant and so on. Now, you could easily, if you're looking for a reason of why they were wiped out, talks about their degree of assimilation, etc. But it's quite fascinating what the Gemara is going to answer. Why were they wiped out? Mishum the Avriya Haikra, they transgressed the verse that said, Lo Tosifim because they went back to Egypt. The Inu Hajar, and they went back. Now, when this, uh, whoever it was, Trajan came, let's say, he saw that they were reading in a book, in, in the book of, in, the, in, in a sefer, he found a kid, let's say, there are often stories, like you find a kid reading a pasuk, and that's like an omen, was reading the verse, God will bring upon you a nation from far away. Amar, so he said to himself, look, michti, who gava this person, meaning me, Basari I should have my, my ship should have taken ten days to get here. wind blew, yomi, and it came in five days. So it must be that God was bringing me here. And the end of the verse is that He's going to take you into captivity. 
So, Nafalalai Bechatlina, he saw it as a simon mina shemayim, and he wiped them out. So that's a lovely way to end that story. Um, anyway, uh, we'll pick up here tomorrow. Didn't you hear me out?